This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Galaxies we hear, All right. Hello and welcome back to Tell Me This. I'm Brianne Roos here with Carrie Borkowski. Carrie, season four. Here we go. Another episode, right? (laughs) We've had the opportunity to speak with some just incredible, insightful, awesome guests this season. And today is a day that I've been waiting for for so long (laughs) because we get to speak with my dearest friend, Kate McMahon. So let me just start with her bio. Kate is a mother of four children, a writer of words, a lover of connection, and a person who lives with heart. A fellow Greyhound and Loyola College graduate, notice she said college, which is like super vintage. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Totally forever. (laughs) Right. Um, Kate's a former rowing teammate of mine, and her career, like mine, began in the field of speech-language pathology. Over the years, she gained clinical experience in a variety of pediatric medical settings, working with children and their families toward remediating feeding and swallowing issues, recovering from traumatic brain injuries, and working on skill acquisition for those kids born with severe cognitive and physical disabilities. She then went on to start a family with her wonderful husband, a pediatric dermatologist, and has been primarily home for the last 14 years, listen to this, swimming in a sea of pacifiers, sippy cups, snack traps, and sleepovers, (laughs) punctuated with some per diem work and preschool speech screenings. A lover of writing, she started a blog called The Gift of Moments, where she Mm -hmm. celebrates the small heart-melting joys and mind-bending insanity of raising (laughs) a tribe of children in this great big world and working to find purpose and meaning in the seemingly mundane. Her work has been featured in Motherly Magazine and Bella Grace. She's gone back to her roots and is currently in the middle of a professional rebirth as she begins the pathway toward a long-desired journey to become an international board-certified lactation consultant. Hmm. She's completed the academic coursework and recently passed her boards to become a clinical lactation counselor and is using that as a stepping stone to become an IBCLC. This career shift is fulfilling her with immense purpose and joy as it blends her passion for helping mothers and babies facilitating communication and connection among parents and infants, and supporting families during such a tender, transformative, beautiful chapter in their lives. She is so honored to be asked to participate in this conversation today. So there we have all the words that describe Kate, (laughs) right? All the words. Oh my goodness. Like Uh, so much. Like we could just spend the whole hour talking about this narrative that you have here. So yeah, Um, I'm super excited. I can see why you are just good friends. It's obvious already from the energy. So I feel privileged to be a part of the conversation. And I just want to let our listeners know because they can't see us that Brienne is sporting a brand new fancy (laughs) pair of headsets and a mic. So Brienne has big time, big time has reached the big time. So we're also cel- we're set. We have lots to celebrate today. So, so we do, and I can like hear myself in a different way than I normally hear myself. So it's a little bit distracting, but yeah, I'm trying to get used to it on the fly. Here. You're doing great. You're doing great. Thanks. Thanks. And you Ab- look super legit. Absolutely. Well, that's what it's about, looking super legit. So that's it. That's half the battle, really. Check done for that. So, um, so I know Kate, you have listened to at least one episode of the podcast because well, I know that for. Yeah. for fact something we love to do at the beginning of the pod before we really dive into the conversation is just do a check-in so how goes it how are you how's the family 
Uh, hi, guys. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. This is just the best already. Um, no, really, genuinely, honestly, I was uh, so touched when Brienne had asked me to do this. And I had shared with these two previously that I promptly accepted the invitation. And then I said it never again in case she immediately regretted it and didn't want me to do this. Um, but I will say that preparing for this has been really awesome and um you know, just kind of opened some doors for my own learning about myself, which has been a unique opportunity. But um, it, it's I'm really, you know, appreciating that you had asked. So I'm I'm doing well. Uh, our family's well. You know, we're just in the hustle bustle, ending fall sports, starting winter sports. But yeah, I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good. All all good. As I was saying before we hit record, we're um, we're lucky to have like a pocket of gorgeous weather up in Massachusetts. So we're getting outside um, as much as we can playing with the pup, going hiking and all the things. So so we're good. And Brianne, I know you're in the midst of of fall sports as well. So what's going on at your house? Yeah, no, <clears throat> it's been great transitioning from lots and lots of field hockey. We're now moving into track and it's really such a gift to sit at field hockey games in November when it's mm. 70 degrees. Yes, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, not wearing all the winter garb just yet. So it's just been beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I was saying to my partner this morning, this time last year, uh, Situate had a crazy windstorm and we had like three big trees oh. down in our front yard and it was just all the things. So the weather is again, it's just a gift. So we're, we're, we're all, it sounds like we're all enjoying it in different ways, which is fantastic. So, so Kate, as you also know, this podcast is all about belonging in this year, this year, this season, we're really exploring belonging in relationships, however you define them. And we, you know, we, we're, we've learned over the years that, uh, language or have been reminded that how language is so important when you have these conversations. So as we start this, this, this discussion, we would love to hear, um, how, how you define belonging, like given all that you're, you've experienced as a mom, as a speech pathologist in your new training, like what is, what does that look like that word for you? So this was a cool uh, exercise for me. So I view it um, as sort of in three concentric circles mm. coming out and I have differentiated it between capital B belonging and little B belonging. Ooh. <laughs> so okay. let me tell you what I've come up with. Yes. <laughs> um, so the first, I view it sort of like deep um, in your core. It's sort of like, um, it's not even something that's able to be seen, but it is sort of a, a deep sense of belonging to the earth, to God, to the universe, to Allah, to whomever it is you pray to or are thankful for. Um, and it is spiritual, but it's not because it's kind of... Um, uh, belonging to yourself and knowing that you matter, that you are like a card carrying member of the human race, uh, we, w of which there is no differentiation. It's like the thing that I'm seeking constantly with meditation, like that universal oneness and belonging to that. So that is kind of like my, like step one, you're here on purpose, part of history, habitat planet. Step two is sort of the physical form also capital B belonging, um, but it's belonging to your specific self. So, you know, your body, your mind, your spirit and soul, um, you know, recognizing your worth, caring for yourself, exercise, stretching your mind, eating healthy food, um, and loving yourself and, and belonging to you specifically. Um, and this is critical. So I, I love this quote from Vivek Murthy. He was like a former Surgeon General of ours. Um, but he says, recognizing your own value, being grounded, knowing your worth is foundational for connecting with others. Approaching people for genuine connection, not validation, is critical. Insecurity does not contribute to relationships. And I think that that was just so, so awesome and just fits so well in there. And then um, the third final circle is... Um, you know, it's like little B belonging, and that's to families, communities, teams, extrinsic groups. And I was sharing before this that I live in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which is a suburb of Philadelphia. And for anyone who's following sports, it is bananas here. It is like... <laughs> 
The Eagles are undefeated for the first time in franchise history. What? The Phillies are in the World Series. Excuse me. The <laughs> Union, or the soccer team, is going to the finals on Saturday. Ah! It's so amazing. But I'm seeing belonging happening in these little B circles everywhere I go because everyone's wearing their red T-shirts. And, and it was really interesting. I was in Wegmans on Sunday, and I'm seeing people wearing their red and or maroon and blue and you know people are high-fiving or like go fills and they're different genders different ages different you know races or you know political parties or whatever but it was this great unifying something that this this connection and then I went a few aisles down and it was Sunday and the Eagles were playing the Steelers and there was a guy in an Eagles jersey two Phil two Pennsylvania teams a guy wearing a Phillies or an, an Eagles jersey and a guy wearing a Steelers jersey and they kind of were looking at each other as they passed one another with their cards and they, there was like not angry but there was for sure a sense of of otherness there mm. like there was kind of some chin up you know and kind of some side eye <laughs> vibes but I thought that is so amazing because while the one side of the coin of belonging is so beautiful and connecting the very meaning of it always the counterpoint or the flip side always implies otherness so it's mm. um you know I think in moderation and both of those can be healthy, but, you know, I feel like sometimes it's going to extremes. We're seeing that certainly world round, world, yeah, world round, political, world round. Is that my saying that right? Yeah, yeah. world round, um, <laughs> politically and in all sorts of arenas. So anyway, that's sort of my take on what belonging is. Mm -hmm. I just, I like scooted up on the edge of my chair when you said big B and little B, because I just <laughs> feel like every time we get on these podcasts, and someone brings a new piece to this puzzle. And I just, this is why we do this work. This is ex your response is exactly why we do this work. And I have to ask as a follow-up, um, how did that come to you? Like when you thought bigly, big B, little B, like, can you just unpack that a little bit more? Like, what was that image? What does that imagery represent for you? Um, well, I think it's sort of, <sighs> You know, connection is everywhere, but I think that there's certain kind of priorities, you know, in 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 anything in, in in any arena that you're in. But I think that those first two levels of belonging are of such critical importance that if you, it just felt disrespectful to give that level of belonging a little B. I felt like it was it's such a big deal and it, it is of such great import. And I, I kind of felt like it was the circle sort of too. It felt like, you know, you could see it kind of bubbling up within yourself and radiating outward. And there is belonging on all parts, but it's, um, there's such interplay all the time. But I think if you can get really clear on what, what level you're succeeding in and what level you're, you know, maybe struggling with, um, mm -hmm. I think that it can help solve so many issues. And I was, as I was thinking about this too, I thought, you know, to have big B belonging locked and loaded your, to your core, it, you know, that certainly goes to share that, you know, that it can be, um, what was I going to say that, that, that it can help to fertilize sort of these like little B connections, you know, mm -hmm. like certainly the, the more connected to self you are, the better you can fuel your families and your friends and your, you know, classrooms and whatever. But so too, can those little B belongings filter back in? Because if you're getting bolstering from these other little B groups, it can help to affirm who it is you are and why you're here. So I feel like it's such a, uh, it's such a fluid system, but when you really, <laughs> simplify it all it, it there's these in my own mind anyway there's these like really clear hierarchies to mm -hmm. all of it yeah it is hard to untangle right it is it is hard because like the the little bee belonging creates or feeds a narrative right which totally. which impacts your big bee belonging and if mm -hmm. your big bee belonging is secure totally. then you're able to sort of mitigate some of those narratives that are coming if they're not good. Right. Um, totally. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Which I think circles back to Vivek Murthy's quote, right? Connection versus validation. So if those totally. little B belonging moments are coming from people 
whose maybe values align with yours or exactly. are affirming the things that are big B deep within you. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. But if you come to depend on that little B exactly. of the big B, right. Yeah. Or if you're, if your little B falls out of alignment with your values that fuel the big B, then you're yes. left in a place of sort of disconnect, I think. And exactly. Yes. Yeah. But it's, and it's, it's impossible to expect any one person to have all of that in line all at once. But I think that it helps to kind of, because it is such a murky world of, you know, the deeper I got into this, the more in the murk I was. Um, but it it is, I think it's so critical, especially now for you guys to be doing the work that you're doing, because I feel like it is so needed in this space and time to help facilitate connection. And so Vivek Murthy, do you know his book together? Do you, mm -hmm. do you know so you're aware of this. Okay. Yeah. I was yeah. like, if you don't, I was going to send it to you. And then I'm like, they probably have read it. I'm like, I, so I, was I like, haven't read it. I just I know about it. it. Either, yeah. yeah. Okay. But it is so cool. But the reason that he did this was in his time as a physician and as surgeon general, he, you know, he saw issues with drug addictions and mental health and physical health. And he's like, what's the biggest, you know, affliction to our nation. And when he really sat down and distilled it, most everything from, diabetes to depression to suicide to obesity all of it was rooted in loneliness and mm -hmm. it was which is the why your work is so great because he said that that if we can fix that you know if we can help in classrooms and teams and whatever to facilitate these feelings of connection and i know that this is all what you guys are about but qualitatively and quantitatively, you can like level the whole world up. And it's neat because I've had this visual of like, you know, it's like the more, you know, you know, and it's like the yeah. candle in the dark. And then it's like, if one person knows, and then the next one, and then with, you know, your, you know, um, listeners and try, you know, and how they go on to share all of this information. I feel like it's so, you know, mission critical, like yeah. right now. So I think he that. didn't, didn't he write, Brianna, I feel like we talked about one of his articles right at the beginning of the pandemic because he was writing about, I don't know if it was a recession of, he was talking about a recession in terms of social isolation. Was it, I feel like I'm- It may have been him because we've talked about him a couple of times with this yeah. concept of, of loneliness and connection. He has yeah. a podcast now too, which is really good. Um, mm. And he kind of comes back to this a lot. Um, I mean, Kate, one of the things that I love about what you've talked about with Big B, Little B, and even your Wegmans experience is just, I think the power of observation mm. and you mm. notice so much and you notice so much about yourself and your kids and others. And so I appreciate that. And I think that there's a lot to learn, even from that, from like, what is it that I'm feeling? Why do I feel so? Ugh? Yeah. And then to be able to think, where is that coming from? Is that, you know, <laughs> something as little B ish as like the Steelers guy in the, in the right. aisle, or is right. it, is it more big B? you know, yeah. And, and, yeah. and we help sort of discern all that. So how critical do you think it is when you're talking about this network of relationships in which we yeah. all exist? How yeah. critical do you think belonging is to those relationships? Well, I think that it depends on the nature of the relationship. You know, I think that it is, um, you know, I think it's probably safe to say that all relationships would be richer and more productive and more fruitful if, you know, both parties are big B, both big B connected to themselves and to one another. I think that that could, you know, certainly stands to, to reason, but I think too, that there are kind of superficial relationships and transactional relationships and maybe in the workplace, there are people that you pass. And, um, I was thinking about this too. I was like, you know, it, it doesn't say we have different beliefs or different, you know, teams that we're rooting for, or whatever. I maybe think of all the different shirts that we could wear, you know, that you are, you know, this religion or this, you know, age or this race or this, you know, I mean, there are infinite numbers of t-shirts that we all could wear. Um, but I think that that like level one big B belonging of like just being a human being, you know, like connection is always like just a, a glance away, a smile away, you know, like if you're both in a waiting room and you, maybe you're waiting for news or maybe they're waiting for news and you just see them and you can have just a smile and connection. And I feel like we're on our phones so much right now, you know, like that you like in, the, in a line at, at, at a store or whatever moments where you might have a chance to feel connected to like that human race are sort of 
you know, erased because we're kind of like checking email or checking whatever it is that we check on our phones. Um, but I feel like it is, um, you know, for it's, it's always possible, even in those superficial relationships to, um, I don't not say superficial, but just in, in kind of those superfluous kind of levels. But I think for deeper, more soul connections, you know, you really need to have those kind of, for successful deep soul connections, you have to have those kind of big B, you know, belongings in line. And I'm totally still working on this, you know, like I just trying to, and I think if, if all humans could make this like the work of our lives, you know, like, I feel like we could all be better, you know, for it. So it's, um, you know, and I love this quote too, from St. Teresa of Calcutta. She said, if we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. And I love that because peace within fosters connection and connection fosters peace within. And it's like, if we lose sight of that, you know, that's when we get into tricky, tricky stuff. Cause even myself, I mean, it's like, I feel connected to the universe, but sometimes I don't feel, you know, like I self-love, I feel like is so important in this. And I was thinking about it as like, um, you know, Sunday gravy, you know, pasta and whatever. And like, I'm so generous with the sauce, with the love to everybody else. And it's always better with more sauce, you know, like to have more love in your life and to be able to share that with other people. But I'm so stingy with it for myself. And I'm, so I'm still working on my like level two, like big B, um, which is still important. But I think that, you know, um, so we're all working on it, but I think just having that awareness is is so critical. So I do for for yourself and for your like deep soul connections, I think it's it's like mission critical. But I think and I think it's possible for those kind of lighter relationships, but maybe not as required. Yeah. So good. Like transactional versus deeper and and all that. I just want to unpack it. I'm totally tracking your big B, little B, all of this. I love it. Yeah. I want to know sort of. What does it feel like to you when you have that level two big B belonging? The one you just said you're working on, like yeah. a little bit of sauce. Like what is that? How is that in your day? What does that feel like? Yeah. So I think that, um, where should I write this down? Hold on. Uh, oh, hold on. Let's see. I was saying that. What does it feel like in my life when I have stuff? So, okay. So it feels, um, when I feel connected to myself that's what you're asking um i think it feels like something as simple as like feeling my heartbeat you know like of of being reminded that i am alive um that i'm in this exact specific moment with this exact specific self um and trying my best to like live in truth and purpose um authentically and genuinely um Sitting in the hard, I think, is something that like when I, I think sometimes it's so easy to, to brush the hard and to just keep like plowing through. But I think that if I'm really living in the real and, and really connecting to myself, it's like honoring all the good and the joy and the fun, but equally um, sitting in the, sitting in the difficult too. And so I, I th thought about this as well, but so during the pandemic, I got a Peloton. And um, so it's been great. Uh, been like dedicated daily. Me too. Woo yes. Yay. Woo so um, in, in their offerings, one, uh, one area that, or one type of class, they offer power zone rides. And so I don't know if you guys mm -hmm. are familiar with these, Yep. but it is, I feel like this kind of sums up sort of belonging for me in, in some ways, but so I'll try to see if I can explain this well. But so for those who don't know in the power zone rides, it's seven zones and you take a test and push yourself and that measures and does all these calculations. But basically from one to seven, you know, one is real easy and then it gets increasingly more difficult. But they say at the beginning of every ride, you know, okay, you're on this ride for 60 minutes. Your only job is to move your legs for 60 minutes and stay in your zone, stay in your lane, stay in your zone. And there are times where you're maybe in an easy zone and a great song comes on. It's your favorite song and you're so pumped up and I, I can be reactive to things and I, I want to go really fast. And then there's other times where you're like pushing so hard and maybe the song slows and you know, you're just like, oh my God, I just want to like go down. But you can't, you, your job is to just stay in your zone. And I feel like when I'm doing that and pushing myself so hard and, and running marathons and crew and whatever, I sometimes reach a space where 
you know, in childbirth and whatever, like where you kind of are pushing so hard and your face is scrunched and then you leave that place, you know, and you kind of just, my face relaxes and I'm still pushing my face off, but it's, it, I, I'm, I'm on that other level. Like I get to that like deep belonging of mm -hmm. self. So I feel like I, I get my level one B belonging because I'm like connected to the universe and the hard that has been happening since the beginning of time. And I know I can do this level two that I'm honoring my body. I'm moving. I'm feeling my heartbeat. I'm alive. And then level three, people are giving you high fives along the way. And I'm like, Oh, I'm part of this community. Like I'm not by myself. Like this is so great. And I feel like that for me has become sort of like, I don't know, like a mantra or like a, a, not a mantra, but like a, a trademark of my quest to finding myself is learning to like just stay in my lane even when things get hard and you know in life and with relationships with whatever it's like staying in it this is going to be painful you're going to want to run away you're going to want to go faster you're going to but sitting in it and being honest and open and vulnerable to kind of the learning that can take place there that I feel like we all owe it to ourselves to do that so well I just I mean i I liked you listening to Brian talk about you. I liked you in the email that you sent, sent. And now I like you even more because you're bringing Peloton yes. into the world the way I think we all should be bringing Peloton. Um, and if I could just build on that metaphor, I think the other really cool thing about this notion of staying in your lane that I have always loved is that when you're doing, especially those power zone sorts of rides. Yeah the lane staying in your lane for a thousand people can be a thousand different lanes. Totally. That's like, like your, your, your number two in the one to yes. seven can look so different than Kate's who can look so different than Brianne's who can look yes. so, but we all feel the discomfort. We all feel yes. an exertion. We all feel a light lightness in different zones in different ways and for me like that's to me that's it like we're all going to feel discomfort at some time we're all going to yeah. be excited at some time but it might be in zone five it might be in zone one it might be within zone two in a different part so I just totally to me that like you spoke to me as you were. <laughs> so I, so I hope other people um, are getting this and I'm going completely off of our script. So you're just going to have to go with yeah. us for a second case right. because yeah. something that you said around these different levels of belonging and relationships. And I'm, I'm with you, like, as Brianne said, with transactional versus these others, I get that. The thing I want, I wanted to ask you that's like really I am in deep struggle with this, trying to make sense of it is, and I think with your experience and your current training in this lactation area and the last part of your narrative talks about the tender, transformative, beautiful chapter, right? This first chapter. Yeah. So my question to you or a place I'd like us to explore a little bit is we know from, from research that metacognition, so this ability to reflect and really start to be aware, right? To, to have that moment of separation that you decide, being connected, but being out, yeah. doesn't usually happen to kids until they're 10, 11, 12. Yeah. I mean, on average, right? Yeah. So how do we think about belonging and how do we cultivate and support belonging when a child has an absence of belonging in that transformative, beautiful beginning chapter, right? Like, how do we reconcile the big B, little B in, yeah. in those moments of like, you know, not so good or okay, right? Do you see what I'm getting at? Like, yeah. I'm trying to like, it's, yeah. to me, it's chicken and egg, right? Because yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, I think, well, something that we always talk about in our house is like they say, you know, eyes are a window to the soul, but facial expressions, like I have been talking to my kids about happy eyebrows and sad eyebrows since <laughs> they were too, which sounds ridiculous. But I say that because sometimes before they're really able to kind of, you know, this metacognition you're talking about, you know, you can see when someone is feeling connected when you're talking to them or when you're playing trucks or whatever, you know, like you can see when someone is 
happy and open and inviting and you can kind of see when people are more like withdrawn or looking down and there's that book the invisible boy did you ever read that mm. it's a children's book but it's about i'll send this to you if you don't have you have a big party i'll send you this book but um it's it's really it's about a boy who just doesn't really feel seen you know and he's kind of walking through and he's not being recognized by his peers. He's not being, um, you know, he's lacking that sense of belonging, you know, and it's like how you can reach him, you know, and how you can try to engage and, and connect and to, um, and to facilitate belonging. I think it's my husband, when we were preparing for this, sometimes your spouse knows you better than you do, but he was saying, he was like, you know, you are so good at seeing people who are maybe off to the side mm -hmm. or maybe a little bit quieter or, you know, some more of that like nuance, maybe not as blatantly loud as the Phillies t-shirt or whatever, you know, whatever t-shirt, but just kind of some of the body language that we can demonstrate. I think that there's so much to unlock there, you know, and just to be, and I, and that's part of one of the driving reasons that I write, you know, I, and I've said this, I'm like, you know, I, I've gotten really nice feedback over the years where people have said, I, I, I thought I was the only one who felt like this, or I didn't mm -hmm. feel so alone. And my aim, my pure aim really is so that people don't feel alone. Yeah. Um, sorry, that was a long way around to that, but was that kind of what you were asking? Like how to facilitate that and what before they reach the metacognition age? Is that Yeah, I think, I think so. I think it's for me, it's a yes. And cause I think what you're perhaps getting at with this big B little B is for me, there's also a developmental piece to this yeah. where I think the goal or one of the goals, and it's a process goal, not a sort of check the box goal is the big B right. Belonging to yeah. self and recognizing that you're a part of the human race. Yeah. I, I don't know enough about any of that to say when that happens for a kid. Right. Oh, okay. I see. But like what I'm thinking is like, when you're a kid and I know I'm going, I'm going way off the grid here and no, I apologize, yeah. but like no. I'm, what I'm imagining Kate is that as a kid, the importance, the, the sort of concentric circles you built, yeah. the importance of little B is yeah. actually really high Yes, when you're little. Yes. It's in service of building that other piece. Right. But I, but I just want to acknowledge that like, I wonder given what you said, that the orientation you described is yeah. for not adulthood, but like when yeah. you're old enough to be doing some metacognitive practices or meditative totally. practices or whatever. Yes. But like as a yeah. as a five year old, you're not you don't have that self-awareness in the way that we're describing. So I'm just I'm just right. thinking about like maybe yeah. those 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 concentric circles shift and move as you shift and move as a human being. I don't yeah. know. That is really smart. And very likely true. I think as parents, then I think we just have to be mindful of who we're filling mm. with our little B buckets. What team, what's that yes. like? What is this school like? What yes. who are we aligned with? And it's going to, again, be different for everyone. But I think just being, because like we said before, like it does all your little B does fertilize your big B. So if, yeah. if the little B, you know, third ring is, you know, the chief one for these little ones, you know, just being super mindful of what you're kind of putting yeah. into that pot so that you're fertilizing your child well, whether that's in faith or whatever, like whatever yeah. that you're doing, it's, it's in service of the eventual adult yeah. metacognitive big B. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, like what I'm hearing and what I'm taking in and going to be more aware of this week as I move through the world with my kids is the thing that frustrates me, I think, about the conversations around SEL and belonging is that we think a bumper sticker that says like, totally. yes. you are great <laughs> is is SEL work. And yeah. what I'm hearing you say is we need to be really mindful yeah. that like if we do that too much, we're feeding the external. And yeah. to Brianne's point earlier, then we're all looking for external cues. We're not yeah. really fertilizing and growing that big B with a bumper sticker. Right. I right. humbly think as little time as we feel like we have, we have to carve out time and space. Totally. Right. To be yes. seen. Like, so, so I just, well, I, I'm sorry. I'm sort of like word no, vomit right now, but I, I'm just like, what you're saying is like just really turning up some really interesting 
thoughts for me and I just wanted to share those. So yeah, I think it's yeah. awesome. And I think that, isn't that what, um, Brene Brown and Mark Burnett, he's like the Yale, um, mm-hmm, the director. emotions guy. Yeah. And he yeah. was saying that that's his like life's work is to make the SEL learning, not just a, an add on a little extra, just like, yeah. infusing. and I know this is what your whole life is about. <laughs> this is what you're doing, which is amazing. Yeah. Well, but, and it's through these kinds of conversations, but figuring out, ways to, to, I mean, this is literally everything that you're doing, but like ways to infuse that into instruction so that it's not just like a little doink at the end of the day that you can use to check off the list. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what I think is so cool as somebody who's had the privilege of knowing Kate for all these years and sort of watching you go through your, your journey and now landing in this world of lactation consultant is, I mean, it's so primal to that connection, right? Like that's really what it, that's where it belongs and that's yeah, where it starts. So, and not that that's the only way to establish connection. And I no, would never no, say that, but just, I mean, from the moment an infant is feeding, however, that infant is feeding yes. is, is the prime and first chance, right. Yeah. To, to that's establish cool. that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump just around in the order a little bit here and ask a question that was scripted for Carrie, but I'm curious because we've been talking, no, so much about the positive. Yeah. I'm curious about what it looks like for you when belonging is missing. Mm. Yes. Okay. So there are two times (laughs) in my life when, uh, two major times. Uh, yeah. So we're going from like high, happy to like going kind of down into the depths, but, um, where, where belonging, I feel like was, was not present. So, um, the first time was, well, one time, uh, the most recent one was when um, I, it was 2018, June 12th, I woke up with this crazy headache. Um, I felt like my brain was 10 sizes too big for my body. Very long story. Nine months of really being in my bed. There were 10 different specialists who were working on figuring this out. We were sending blood samples to the CDC. We had no idea what was wrong. And in the end, it was... Um, my Mirena IUD, uh, my birth control, has a hormone called levonorgestrel, and it creates an overproduction of cerebral spinal fluid. So the fluid that bathes your brain and your spinal cord um, just drop by drop by drop. It usually takes about six months to two years for that to present itself because it's just the slow drip. And one day, uh, they also call it pseudotumor. So in the end, it was intracranial hypertension um, or pseudotumor cerebri because your brain feels like there's a brain tumor and there's just this immense pressure in your brain. I was in bed for nine months. I was not going to soccer games. I was not making dinner. I was not eating dinner. I was not going to girls' nights. I was not doing any of that. Um, And... I I had people who were regulars in my life no longer were and people who I never really even knew well had stepped in. Um, And I, when I re-entered society uh, again, I, um, I didn't know where I belonged. I really truly Mm -hmm. did not know where I fit, but one new place I did fit was this bucket of people with intracranial hypertension due to your Mirena IUD, of which there are thousands, didn't know that, felt very isolated, but then realized that there were these people who kind of knew my story and there was such peace in that. And I feel like it's important to mention because I think that sometimes when you're in these hard spots, you know, and you're, and you find yourself in this quote unquote club that you don't really want to be a part of the divorce club, the breast cancer club, the depression club, the no parents club, like no one wants to be there, but we're never really alone. And there is belonging even in those isolating places. And so again, the timeline, I got better, um, February of 2019 had a year to process and suck the marrow out of life. I turned 40 March 6th of 2020. And then a week later, the world went down. So with the pandemic, so I, found though such great peace in the phrasing on commercials and things called that people would say, well, we're quarantining, we're alone together. And I remember feeling like that is great because we can all be alone and, and helping to do our part, but we're not alone because we're all doing it together, which was PS way better than just me being in my bed by myself. You know, like I was like, we're all struggling. We're all, I felt like this again, like 
like level one connection to everyone. You know, you'd see people in Italy, you know, singing opera from their balconies or people, you know, doing these incredible things. I mean, obviously the pandemic was horrible and it still is and whatever, it's the worst. But um, I felt really like a deep um, connection to everyone. So I feel like it's a good reminder that even when you're in sort of these isolating experiences that you're, you're not alone, even in those spaces. Um, and then the second experience was, and just for your listeners, just like a trigger warning, but um, my freshman year of college, I was, um, as my first semester, first, uh, first semester, um, first year, and I was raped and I um, was 18 and didn't really, I don't think I was quite capable of processing all that that really meant. I went to tell him off the next day and saw him and I guess probably would have had what people would describe as a panic attack. I just, I was tunnel vision back to my room and crumpled into the corner of my floor and just like heaved these sighs and sounds that were like these primal animalistic. It was like such a wild violation of self. Um, but because I don't think I knew really how to deal with that, I kind of put it into a box and kind of uh, moved on and, you know, studied for the tests and did all the things and whatever. I think there was a level of shame there. Drinking was involved. I, I was a good girl, always a rule follower, but I had, maybe I put myself in this position. Maybe it was my fault that I did this. Um, but I think it's really cool because your body always knows the truth, no matter what narrative your brain is telling you. And so it took my body seven years to, um, really recognize this. So Mark Brackett, we were just talking about, he says unprocessed emotions are not benign. They metastasize. And it was seven years. My husband graduated medical school. I finished and got my, um, my master's we got engaged, we moved in together and I must've been feeling safe because that's when the signs of post-traumatic stress disorder started coming out. I was hypervigilant. I was hyper-reactive to sounds. Um, I had road rage, but I think that it's so, I, I think I dissociated from part of myself because I, I, I wasn't belonging to me because you have to sit in the heart you have to stay in your lane. And I just wasn't, I don't think able to do it. But insofar as how it relates to belonging, I think that, again, going back to your point about, you know, being mindful of the kids, uh, of, of who you're putting in your kids' buckets, if you are in a group that will not accept you because of the truth that you share, I held it. I didn't tell a lot of friends and family. I, it was something that I hid. Um, but I, it makes me think about people who, you know, don't tell their truth to their family that maybe they you know, are gay, or maybe it's a family business, but their real passion is something different or, you know, and you're not, you feel like you'll be rejected from this core group that you're a part of from your church, from your, you know, whatever, whatever club or, or affiliation you know, or grouping that you're affiliated with. Um, you know, I just think it's important to be mindful of what types of people you're surrounding yourself with so that they can, you know, you can always feel safe to, if, if your truth will, exile you from that group, then it's maybe worth reflecting on what kind of group you're in, you know, and obviously family or is everything, um, or is that main core group, but, and you can't change that, but I think it's worth reflecting on anyway. I'm just pausing. Cause that was oh, a okay. lot. No, no, you're fine. You're okay. fine. No, I'm, I'm just grateful for the honesty and the sincerity. Um, and the vulnerability you're willing to share. Cause I know those, I, I don't know from walking in your footsteps, but I can imagine, you know, the difficulties of expressing that. So I just wanted to thank you for, for sharing the question that was coming up for me, Kate, or there are lots of questions, but I'm going to stick with one <laughs> is I'm hearkening back to earlier in our conversation where you mentioned the book, the invisible boy and Brianne, sort of complimented you for really noticing sometimes when there are people across the way or your husband, sorry, your husband would notice, you know. And so in thinking about that idea of being seen, right? Because that's what I that's what I heard was like that you're really good at making sure people feel seen. And I appreciate that. So 
in those two examples that you shared, you know, from a health standpoint and the the sexual assault, how 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 can sort of your external world be helpful in those moments? Like yeah. what what looking back, if someone if someone were to say like what do you need in this moment? Yeah. Are you able to articulate, Kate? Like, could you have articulated what you needed? Because those are, I mean, those are tricky situations. And like, can you give some advice on how you could be seen in those moments by people, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yeah, I think it's um, probably easier to respond to the more recent one because I was probably more more fully formed human, I guess. Um, So I'll start with that, I guess. But Um, I think, I mean, there was really not a whole lot of like higher level thought that was going on during that time. I was really like just in a dark room. Um, and, and like there was, I had, you know, certainly I had no expectations or, or hopes of what anyone would do, but looking back, you know, I, it's, it's, it's with anything, you know, it's always being thought of and being remembered and, you know. I think that, you know, it could be someone just dropping flowers or a, a card or, or just a text to check in or just a, a you know, or, or not even to me to check in with my husband or, or my parents or, you know, someone who cared and was sort of in that inner circle that knew. And, you know, meals were super helpful and were super great, but I don't, I don't even think it has to be such a heavy lift because I know sometimes we're all busy and that's really hard, but I think it's like those feelings of, of caring enough to remember. And I think there was another question somewhere that I, I was writing about. Yeah. So it was one of the questions was what does belonging look like in relationships? And I kind of broke it down into thinking and feeling. So there's like thinking of important doctor's appointments, you know, asking how they went, you know, birthdays, anniversaries, hard things. But then also it's like that feeling, you know, where somebody might like lean in or just, you know, give you a, you know, a mm-hmm. hug or something warm like that. But it's, um, uh, you know, I, and I, I think too, just sitting in the heart, I had one friend mm-hmm. come over. I was so, my body was starting to re-regulate so that it was like feeling like horizontal was the right way physiologically to be. It was very, it was becoming more and more difficult for me to be upright. Like I would get dizzy and I just, I would, I would start to flush and I would have heart palpitations and stuff, but a friend had come by and she just sat with me and it was so quiet and she looked and was like, you know, I mean, there's nothing to say, there's nothing to make it better. And I remember she had offered her husband, um, as a contractor and and the fan, there must've been a screw just a little loose in my bedroom. And it was like, click, 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 click. And she was like, Oh, you know, I can have him come over and fix that. And I was like, you know, sometimes that's the only way I know I'm alive is I hear Mm -hmm. that click and I'm like, okay, I'm still here. Okay. Like (laughs) go back down. But I, I just remember sitting, I mean, that visit was punctuated with mostly science, a silence and the clicking of the, of the fan. Um, and I, that was such a meaningful thing just to sit and be seen. Literally she was seeing me, but also was kind of there to help. Um, and with the, you know, when I think back to that time with the rape, I mean, the nurse was like, do you want to press charges? Do you want, you know, uh, at, at the health center, um, you know, at the, at the college, not university yet. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, friends, I used to see him out and about, you know, and he, like, we'd be out at a bar or someplace and he'd, you know, kind of like, look, you know, and like, give me, I mean, which is like so appalling. And the fact that I thought that like, maybe it was my fault for like decades of my life is like, so bananas, but, um, but I remember the ones who knew would kind of like form like a little human shield. Like as soon as, if they knew he was at a party or then like, we would just whoop, like see our way right out. So again, it's like that seeing that recognizing that knowing and caring enough that like that guy means something to me, you know, like, yeah. um, so I think just, um, those yeah. types of things, um, yeah. I, I asked it. I mean, we have a question here that asks about strategies. I I asked it because it, to me, from what you're saying and, and you've affirmed it by what you the way you responded is that like cultivating belonging and creating spaces of belonging, they aren't fix it moments. Totally. Right. It's not. And, and I know um, we had a guest on several weeks ago that that reminded us that we measure what we value. Right. I would I wanted to riff on that given this conversation. And I think we spend time on what we value. Mm-hmm. 
right? And I think that as much as Brian and I like are trying to get our work out there and and offer tangible strategies and insights, I think some people get annoyed with us, or at least with me, I won't put Brian in that annoyance category. I think they get annoyed because probably our top advice to people is you need to create space. Mm. You need to, and people are always saying, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. And now I want to say to people, you spend time on what you value. So if you care about belonging, if you care about your students, your kids, your neighbors, your colleagues being seen, then this requires that you spend time. Cause I can say like, I've had some, you know, we've all had, it's not just me, we've all had, and I'm not trying to minimize what happened to you, Kate. I think we could all point to moments that we felt a similar, you know, disconnection for whatever reason. And as I think about those moments and the things that helped, you're right. It wasn't somebody really doing a thing. It was someone being a thing in a place and creating that space of being. Um, And it was like, at times time felt like it was standing still because it was mostly silence. And so I think your illustrations just remind me that the hardest, to me, the hardest part about this work is that we have to create time and space in the busyness of life and the you know, the, and my soapbox is, you know, the narratives and the messages we get from society are hurry, 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 score the best, be the best, score the highest, get through this, fix it, accomplish this. And what we're saying is take a time out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think it's such a reflection too, of the people who maybe you're kind of bumping up against, you know, as a reflection of their level one, (laughs) big B, belonging. Cause sometimes if you, they are not comfortable sitting in that space and owning that for themselves, totally. and like this extra, it's just like this nebulous, like, ah, like whatever floofy topic when it's the crux of all. Totally. So it's yeah. 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 yeah that's, but I think it also sometimes doesn't take that much time. And that's the totally. other thing that that's right. a good point. Discussed. Like when we talk about checking in, I mean, at check-in, Kate, you just said it could be a phone call. It could be a text. It could be, yeah. it's that act of remembering. It's having that top of mind yeah. moment or do something. If you can't remember it, put it in your calendar, like do something totally. to make it a priority for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And that's, we talk so much about, you know, creating habits, right? Like James Clear. Yeah. So just like a little bit of those sorts of things every day can really become part of you. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point, Brianne. I think it it isn't volume, right of time it's just being intentional um i do a lot of i'm lucky i get to do a lot of coaching with students and others and we spend most of our sessions talking about strategies for what are two steps you can take over the next week yeah. and if you if you do it once out of the 5 days awesome totally. let's celebrate that one time and then let's examine what got in your way of doing it on the other days right like one step so we're not talking about huge volumes of things but you have to be you have to have a willingness right yeah. you have to have to have willingness and i think you're right kate that the most of the people and groups that i bump up against it's because they haven't done their own work, yeah, right? Totally. <laughs> totally. You're really, you're yeah. like, you're Renee's like, sister. yeah, you're, you're, you're rubbing up against something yeah. that's making them feel really uncomfortable. So, um, that's absolutely, absolutely the case. So, yeah. um, and I yeah. think something that was really neat, my, I just got my haircut yesterday. This woman's been cutting my hair since I was nine, but she just shared, she said, so she <laughs> said she brought me a, um, little thing of whipped cream. It was vanilla, maple, brown sugar, whipped cream. And she's, I was like, she's like, Oh, I just wanted to give this to you. I'm like, what? Like, this is so random. This is so nice. Like what? And she said, well, I try every single day. I try to do one nice thing for one person. And I thought that is about the nicest aim you could ever have on planet earth to do one nice thing for one person. It doesn't, it was whipped cream. It was not expensive. It was not difficult. She was buying it for herself. And she said, Hmm, let me get this for someone else. And you know, she's like, it just elevates my whole coffee experience. I'm like, that's so nice. It's like fall. I'm like, you're the best. I mean, but I thought, how can we in our own lives? I mean, that's an actionable step. I mean, one little thing for one person. I mean, we have families, friends, all our little B people. That's a great, that's a great little tip. And I have to say, I don't want to embarrass Brianne, but like, I think Brianne, 
is a, the queen of those Absolutely. kinds of because every once every once in a while I'll either get a note in the mail or I'll yes. get a book in the mail and if it yes. doesn't have a name on it I usually can assume yeah. that it's from Brienne. <laughs> so, totally. Like, oh my gosh. So thoughtful. <laughs> so amazing. Always yeah. checking in. Always making it that priority, which is totally. Which means- everything it really yeah, does it, it does, does. Absolutely. well it's the same and i'm holding up a book that came in the mail yesterday with no note from <laughs> yeah. carrie by the way so <laughs> this is very much a reciprocal situation and <laughs> i feel like soon best. kate and carrie are going to be sending things to each other so yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great uh, well invisible boy it's on its way <laughs> yeah but i do think i mean i think you know we've talked to other people about like well when do you know belonging is is there right and and people have talked about well you just you sort of just we've had people say we just know it in our body you know it i feel lit up and and i just feel like i know it with like folks like yourselves when we're having these kinds of amazing conversations we are just holding space for whatever comes up in the conversation and to me like i don't know it just like doesn't get any better than this, like when we're in these kinds of spaces. And I just, and I was meeting, I had a coaching session at eight this morning and we were talking about like what lights you up. And I said to the client, I said, because she kind of looked at me and I said, these are the kinds of moments that light me up. Like being in this space with you is such a gift. And like, I can feel it. I don't know if you guys can, but I can feel it like in my core right now. Um, And I just, if there was anything I would want to gift to the world is like to have those moments, like to feel like you can, like I'm like and I know my students and Brienne was one of those students like I could be in a in a sync set synchronous session or at a orientation and I would say now I would say it to Brienne I don't know if I'd say it then but I'd say like these are the moments that light me up and I could physically feel just like and I want us all to have those and so I don't know why I went there but like that just it just feels that's just belonging. And I just this is why we do the work we do and have this podcast and have great people like yourself on here, Kate. And um, yeah, Brian, I don't, I don't know if you have any questions and any other lingering questions that you wanted to ask, Kate. I feel like we covered quite a bit. Yeah, no, we did. I just have to give a shout out to Kate to Kate and she's going to laugh, but oh, <laughs> we've been having these conversations for a long time. Yes. Right, Kate? <laughs> and I mean, we used oh, to like moment. go deep. When we were in college and the only place we could find to do this in like a safe zone was the laundry room. So we would like meet in the laundry room, which was a communal laundry room. So she and I are sitting at this gross table with like lint and talking about very big and heavy things such as belonging, but not using this language. And then some poor person would come in to do their laundry and we would look at them like, really? We are in the middle of something. We are connected. We are belonging. We are feeling this. We are lit up. And you're trying to like change your darks into the dryer, you know? So it is such a gift to still have these conversations and to now have different language and different people to invite into this. And so I just, I sort of can't believe it. I kind of can't believe that we're here and doing this. And so just thank you to Carrie for starting this podcast and to Kate for preparing so beautifully for it and for being willing to to come on and talk well, with us. I have to say, I'm just glad to know, Kate, that you helped like stoke the fire that was inside Brienne. Cause when I met Brienne <laughs> in Research <laughs> Methods One, it was like, Ooh. what is the due date? When is this due? When do I write this paper? <laughs> it was very, very business as usual. Yes. So it yes. it took a little while to crack the crack the nut on what was what was inside, but boy. I know. Um, I feel lucky to know both of you. So I know, Brian, you're such a delight. And it's but it's that self-love and believing. I mean, we've talked about this for forever, but I wanted to get back to your laundry room. But isn't that fascinating that we didn't have a safe space that we had to go to the basement (laughs) to the bowels of the school? Because it would be weird to talk about things like this. And maybe you feel that same feeling in these boardrooms where you're trying to like promote these things, but it's like if we could just stop having to go to the basement to talk about <laughs> these things and we could just talk about them everywhere and, you know, with people with open ears, like what a gift, you know? I mean, it's, yeah. you guys are doing incredible work. You guys are so smart and you have so many gifts and you're sharing them with your people and the world slowly, the waves are, are rippling. And I'm very proud of you, Brianne. I'm so happy to have finally met you, Carrie. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, well, um, yeah, this was really so, so fun. 
Yeah. I really appreciate you asking me. That was really nice. Yeah. You can come on anytime. I mean, these are great. This will be our like, I feel like there's a podcast in there somewhere, like the laundry room podcast or something. (laughs) (laughs) Laundry room conversations or something. (laughs) That's fantastic. So. All right. Anything we always like to give our guests a chance, Kate, at the end, if there's anything else you'd like to share that we didn't cover uh, today. No, I think um, I'll just close with one more uh, Vivek uh, Murthy quote, but he said, creating a connected life begins with the decisions we make in our day-to-day lives. Do we choose to make time for people? Do we show up as our true selves? Do we seek out others with kindness, recognizing the power of service to bring us together? This work isn't always easy. It requires courage, the courage to be vulnerable, to take a chance on others, to believe in ourselves. But as we build connected lives, we make it possible to build a connected world. And I just love that. I feel like that's a Mm -hmm. nice way to- That's awesome. I love that. I love that. And one last random comment that just came to mind and Brand's used to these with me. I think I'm going to put it out there. You guys can think about it. I think we should pick a book- And do like a two or three part podcast series where we do a book study together, because I think we could have some great conversations around a fun book. (laughs) (laughs) So let's let's challenge ourselves to think about a couple of books and we'll pick one and then we'll 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 read it and set the times to. I think that would be really fun. It would be so, so fun. much fun. So much yes. fun. So That'd be great. Thanks. Yeah, I'd love that. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to end this episode. I don't know what episode number. I know we're in season four, <laughs> which is fantastic. And it has been a thrill to be with both of you in this space. I hope our audience, I know, I don't even hope, I know our audience is going to join it. And listeners, stay tuned. The book club is coming back. So, all right, everybody, be well. Thank you. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.